we go somewhere else and we think I'm going to leave going to leave the old Dan behind who okay. I was there and, and I'm going to be a new person. I'm going to be make all these <laughs> friends and I'm going to be outgoing and I'm going to be and then it didn't take long to realize I brought myself with me and uh, <laughs> insecure Dan, you know, Dan that was worried about what people thought about me, Dan that mm. uh, felt like I didn't quite you know, add up to the expectations that I had on myself, uh, you know, and, and that's where some of those ministry expectations um, and impact expectations, I think, began to become very real for me. It, okay. And it, it, again, it wasn't external. I didn't feel like people were looking at me saying, oh, you should do so much. It was more I was looking at myself saying I should do so much. Thanks for joining us in this week's episode of the His Hill podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. With us today is a friend of mine. He is the director at Timberline, one of our sister centers. And uh, you'll a lot of you will know him. Some of you will know, uh, recognize his name uh, because he's part of the Thomas family. And his name is, is Dan. Dan, welcome here. Thanks so much. It's good to be here. It's good to have you. You know, I was thinking about it uh, just... Uh, uh, just just today, this is this is fun for me because I've known you since you were a kid. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. you and your brothers used to come to camp here, and uh, and you were always full of life. To put it, <laughs> to, <laughs> maybe one of my brothers more. One of my brothers, but uh, but but I can say that all three of you were were really yeah. fun to have though. Yeah, and uh, and you enjoyed your time here. It was obvious. Yeah, it was awesome. But anyway, uh, how how are you doing? Doing well. I mean, I we've got uh, our oldest daughter is about ready to fly from the nest, which is really exciting. I mean, now, I how many of, kids do you have? So we've got three kids. Uh, our youngest, Judah, is eleven. Naya, sixteen, uh, junior in high school, and then and then Keelan is our oldest. She's eighteen, mm-hmm. and so she's a senior. And uh, even as we're doing this, you know, podcast, I think about you know, torchbearers and, and his hill timberline where I direct. And, you know, I'm just used to receiving students and, uh, and not giving students. And so it's really exciting. My daughter, she'll, yeah. she'll go somewhere. We yeah. haven't nailed it down 100%, but she's planning to go somewhere uh, in torchbearers next year, which That's, is crazy. I can't yeah. even imagine it. It is crazy. I can't believe she's that old. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. remember when the kids were all born. I mean, they've they just... been coming here for years yeah. Yeah. You know, when I come to teach. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and they're great kids too. They, yeah. uh, they're, they're really, a, a, they're really pleasant to be around and visit with. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So Dan, uh, we were talking just a little bit before we recorded and, uh, you know, you and I've had conversations about things over the years yeah. and, and I've always really been encouraged, uh, by, you know, your, you know, how you are very s- central and, in, in presenting Christ and, and no matter what the topic is. And I think the Lord's blessed you as a communicator as well. And, uh, it's so, uh, it, you know, in, in our conversation, I asked you, uh, j- let's just let uh, p- people in on some things first, yeah. some background, you know, being a Thomas, if, if so, for the people who are not, who are listening, who are not, um, alumni are even really, uh, have been a part of Torchbearers, um, Dan's family, his grandfather is the founder of Torchbearers, Major yeah. Ian Thomas. And so his, his grandfather was the general director from 1947 till when was that? Wow, it would have been, must have been late 90s, early 2000s that yeah. the, tran- the transition took place. Right. Yeah. And then, then the transition went to your dad, yep. who was the general director, yeah. up until just the last couple of years. Yeah, a few years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. where Peter has, has, has now taken over. Yeah. And so, but so you, all of your growing up years and, and well, the majority of your life has been with your, you know, one, a member of your family being at the helm of the ministry. Yeah, yeah. And as if that wasn't enough pressure on a kid growing up, <laughs> your grandfather on your mother's side yeah. also is uh, is well known within Christendom. Do you yeah. want to explain that? Yeah. To so people? my my mom's dad is a guy named Cliff Barrows, uh, and he was a significant part of the Billy Graham um, Evangelical Association and the Crusades, and um, really from the very beginning, it was right. kind of. Uh, Billy Graham, uh, George Bevshay, and and then my grandfather Cliff, who really kind of kicked things off with the Crusades, and um, and then you know he was he did a lot of actually what we're doing right now. He, 
radio shows yeah. and that sort of thing. And so it was, yeah, it was interesting growing up because if you were, there were, there were circles that were very aware of torchbearers and especially internationally right. uh, in Europe and, and, and then also in the States. Uh, and then you'd go to other parts of the, of the States or other parts of the world where nobody has heard of torchbearers, but mm-hmm. everybody's heard of Billy Graham or right. of, of my grandpa, Cliff Barrows. And, uh, and so that was kind of an interesting dynamic, I think, to grow up in, uh, probably having a, a unique perspective on maybe on those who had notoriety. Um, and, uh, and it was definitely, I mean, it was a Christian context, but it felt very normal to be, to have people kind of wanting to talk or talking about your grandparents and that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a big part of my right. you know, upbringing. And, yeah. and I think my way I think about life yeah. <laughs> and myself, especially as a kid, um, was a lot of that going on around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah two high profile grandparents. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how did, how did that affect you with your parents, your grandparents? Did that, was that, was that any, you know, looking back on it now, having a perspective of an yeah. adult looking to yeah. back at, at, at your early years, was there any extra pressure? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I, you know, I, I think everybody told me, all along, I should be feeling a lot of extra pressure. Right. <laughs> I probably had more pressure that I should be feeling pressure than actually pressure. Was it something maybe you put on yourself? Well, I think I, I didn't feel a lot of external pressure. Okay. Personally. Um, when I think back on, you know, growing up, you know, at a Torchbear Center, growing up with my dad or my grandpa um, over Torchbears or my other grandpa, my papa, we called him Cliff, mm. um, on the other side, Um I think what I felt, um, and, and, and I, I guess I'd also say, I think a lot of that had to do with my, my parents. They, mm-hmm. um, very down to earth. I think both of them were probably more in that environment with a lot of pressure. And, uh, yeah. and you know, from my dad within Torchbearers and kind of some of the pressure from his dad was, you know, major was, was a major. He was very right, firm. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think he felt a lot of that pressure. My mom was right in the midst of kind of the Billy Graham association as it was growing in the South tons. And I think she felt a lot more of the pressure. Okay. And so they were both, I would say very proactive to not pass that on to us. Mm. Um, I think my brother, my older brother felt a little bit more of that pressure. I would say the pressure for me was not external. I didn't feel like I had a bunch of eyes looking at me and maybe they were all focused on my, my brother, the oldest. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the pressure was more internal okay. um, for me. And, and it was the pressure of wanting to have the kind of significance that I saw in both my grandparents. Okay. Um, yeah. Wanting, you know, you grow up and your whole life you hear people say things like, I came to know Christ through your grandfather. Or I was at a crusade and, mm-hmm. and that's where I came to know um, Jesus. Or your, you know, your, your grandpa Cliff's, you know, radio broadcast uh, was, you know, huge in my life. Or mm. for my, on my dad's side, the Thomas side, you know, I don't know how many people said, oh, your grandpa stayed in our house. You know, yeah. when he was preaching at a church somewhere. I thought, how many houses did he stay in? It seemed like it was, you know, home after home as he went from really small church to small church around yeah. America. Yeah. He ate in our house. He did. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and so many of them would say things like it was, you know, a huge impact in their life, either coming to faith or understanding Christ for the first time yeah. or reading the book and, and so I think actually I had a real admiration growing up um, mm. and probably a little bit of naivety towards what's normal. Um, oh, okay. And it was probably like that's what the that's what you should expect out of, you know, the impact of, of living your life is that people are kind of telling everybody mm. how much you've you know, impacted them personally. That's just how it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I just want uh, listeners to know that 
if they if they hear any noise outside, yeah, I was gonna say, do we? Want, yeah. <laughs> do I need to make an little announcement? Uh, I think yeah, we'll, we'll let you know what's going on. The we're in between class. Uh, for those who are alumni, you know what that means. They have ten minutes <laughs> to get to the bathrooms, and we're recording right next to the bathrooms. So, That's what it is. Uh, so if you actually if you know the area, if you know the campus, we're in uh, we're in John right now. <laughs> Not the John. <laughs> the, the students are in the John. <laughs> Yeah, we're in the the Gospel of John. If you, it, I got to explain that one of our buildings, it's a, it's, a, it's a four hotel units, and uh, they're, they're Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So obviously, we call them the Gospels. So that's why, if you hear any noise, that's what's going on outside. Uh, Dan, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, as you were talking about this growing up in Torchbearer Centers uh, at a center and with your grandparents on both sides, yeah. Uh, were there any things looking back that were advantages that was just really fun that you, you, uh, that you enjoyed or maybe even as a kid took advantage yeah. of? Yeah. I mean, take advantage is an interesting word cause that's a positive and a negative, okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> there were probably things we both took advantage of in a positive sense and things we took advantage of yeah, yeah. in the negative sense. I think, I think there were a lot in the positive sense. I mean, I, I really can't imagine a better place to grow up yeah. um, than at a Torchbear Center. I mean, I'm raising kids in that environment right now. Mm-hmm. And to be able to grow up uh, with really living in a community of people who care, people who are, you know, singular in focus. Um, it's not a perfect environment, which right. is one of the things that makes it good is there's conflict and there's drama and there's discipline yeah. that yeah. needs to happen. And there's staff who leave and staff who are sent away and staff who come. And and I think, you know, it's it's pretty amazing to, to grow up in that environment and see what things you, you know, pick up maybe mm-hmm. without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, even the awareness of being able to talk to adults and college students, you know, from a younger age is, um, I think, pretty unique. Um, we've got uh, at Timberline on staff, uh, we've, we've got a, another staff member who also grew up at a Torchbear Center. And there's just a natural understanding of how life and community works um, that I think is actually really hard to teach somebody. Mm-hmm. And when you've grown up in it, I, I, it just seems to come very naturally. And so, yeah, I would, I would say it was a huge advantage yeah. for me personally. Yeah. I, I can testify to that too, to having raised yeah, children yeah. In, in a torchbearer center, the advantages are a huge blessing. Yeah. And, and there's uh, to, to be around people that, huh, who, who want to, they want to please the Lord. You know, they, they take a year out of their life to come to Bible school and to have those, those people plugging in to your children and spending yeah. time with those incredible guest speakers that come through yeah. and they get to know and, uh, and they, you know, it, it really does Im- it impacts. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, uh, and maybe, you know, some people said it's, it's just a, maybe a glimpse or a taste <laughs> of how things will be someday. Yeah. 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 So that's, that is neat. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think of even raising kids in that environment mm-hmm. is pretty cool. And you, that's, you, yeah. you experienced that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, both in knowing that when they're done talking to us, you know, they don't want to hear our advice anymore. They've got some really solid staff to talk to yeah. or even students who are, I don't know if the advice would be everything I would give, right. but I know the heart behind it is right. often exactly. um, for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's really neat. And um, I've also thought about so many times where I've seen students come with real trauma in their life and, you know, sin issues, sexual sin, drugs, whatever that might be. And, and seeing these students love the Lord so deeply and so excited. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I would love to have a daughter or a son like that. Mm-hmm. And that's actually been helpful for me as I watch my own kids and, you know, you kind of think of certain things as being like the unpardonable sins. Right. And then I remind myself of some of the students we've had come through who've struggled with things. And yet you've seen how the Lord has mm-hmm. transformed their life. And it's kind of even allowed me to take a big deep breath and say, okay, you know, yeah. nothing is bigger than what the Lord can work through. And I, mm. I don't just know that theoretically. I actually see that in the right. lives of the students yeah. who come through. Yeah. Which yeah, is that cool. is, it is. And that, you know, as both of us teaching, uh, in Torchbearer Centers, we, we get to share those stories a yeah, lot. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it is, it's encouraging to me every time, 
you know, when I remember these things, I get to tell the story again yeah. of what the Lord has done. Yeah. And and you think that, you know, that this is what, how, what hope yeah, <laughs> totally. these people have. Yeah. And, and you see, they have every hope in the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, that Jesus is their certainty. Okay. So you grew up at Ravencrest yep. in Estes That's Park. Right. Yeah. Uh, how did you come to know Jesus? Yeah, so th- that's funny. I just finished telling the students here uh, kind of the story. And if you're a His Hill grad and we're here when I was teaching, you've probably heard this before, but I, I don't actually remember my coming to know Christ. Mm. Um, I've heard about it, which, is, you, you know, some people, that's yeah, yeah. a little suspect, you know, <laughs> but I actually don't remember any time beyond what I've heard. You know, some people have that experience where every other year or every year they're, you know, going forward for an altar call. I, I've never had one of those experiences other than what I remember hearing. And, um, my, I think I was, I was about four. My older brother was five and, uh, he, my parents would come and pray for us, you know, as we go to bed, kind of typical thing. And, um, they prayed for my brother and, uh, as they're putting him to bed, he said, I'd like to, you know, invite Jesus into my life. Um, I'd like to invite Jesus into my heart, whatever he had said as a five-year-old. And they asked him some questions, you know, do you understand what sin is? Do you understand what Jesus did? Yeah, he died on the cross. And and I guess his answers were, you know, fit the what they were looking for. And so they prayed with him as yeah. a five-year-old and he gave his life to the Lord. And the next morning we had this huge pancake breakfast. And uh, <laughs> it was, you know, I, again, I don't remember it, but I know my parents throw a great pancake breakfast, waffle breakfast, you know, yeah. with whipped cream and strawberries and all the stuff. And um, I guess as a four-year-old, I was at least intelligent enough having experienced the pancake breakfast to wait a few weeks before <laughs> I was looking for another <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, again, I don't remember this, but my mom was pretty clear. Uh, she understood my motives because a few weeks later I, you know, pulled my parents aside in the evening, same kind of thing and said, I want to give my life to Jesus, um, invite Jesus into my heart, uh, of whatever I would have said as a four year old. And they asked me same questions and, you know, I'd grown up in Sunday school. I knew the answers. Uh I knew Jesus died on the cross. I knew, um, that I I probably knew I was get to go to heaven. Uh, and, um, and then I, I, I prayed with them and immediately after my prayer, according to my mom, uh, is I, I said, okay, when's the pancake breakfast happening? Yeah. <laughs> and it was so clear that that was a huge part of my motivation was this great pancake breakfast I'd get to have the next day as a result of um, giving my life to the Lord. And, uh, and it's funny because like I said, I, I don't, there's not another time in my life where I've know of going forward of, you know, and, uh, and of course I, I know I love Jesus. I know I need him. I know, you know, I have no question of my faith, um, and my dependence on him. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, you know, for a while I was like, is that, is that genuine? It seems pretty selfish. Um, but I think then I came to the awareness of that's actually not that different from the reason most people come to know Jesus, you know, for a four year old, it was the great pancake breakfast the next day. And of course I knew that one wasn't going to last, but uh, you know, from then for the next, you know, what a 13, 14 years, it was the great pancake breakfast in heaven one day, right? right? right the yeah. marriage supper of the lamb. I have no idea if they're having pancakes <laughs> up there, but it was, you know, in some senses just as selfish, just as yeah. much the attitude of saying God did on my behalf what I need him to do for me so that I can receive what he has for me, the goodness he has for me. And I, I, to be honest, I think for a four-year-old, a pancake breakfast is probably far more real than some concept of heaven and hell, you know, that, that I probably oh. didn't grasp. Oh. And, um, and so it was interesting. It was good for me to kind of weigh that out actually. And, and I think recognize the grace of the Lord that he does receive us yeah. for what he gives us yeah. and for what we get to receive from him. And whether that's a pancake breakfast or ultimately, you know, eternal life with him for, you know, a huge chunk of my early life, that, that was what it was about. Mm. And I think, you know, as, as we all know, that's really what for many believers, the Christian life remains about the whole yeah. rest of their, it's all about that's the pancake right. breakfast yeah. one day in heaven. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course that's, that's a little part of it. But there's so much better right. to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you, you know, your grandfather used to tell us, salvation is not about getting out of hell and going to heaven, though yeah. that is part of. Yeah. But that's not the purpose of. That's right. And he would say something to the effect of, "It's it's about heaven, heaven coming back down to earth." Yeah, not getting God out of hell and in, or not getting us out of hell and into heaven, but getting heaven out of or God out of heaven and into us. Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah. yeah, and I appreciate you saying that because. 
Uh, you know, I have friends that, you know, they know they can't give you a, a day, yeah. a time, yeah. but they know that they trust Jesus with their life. Yeah. They, they believe right. in him. Yeah. And, and if we can make people feel guilty. We can, oh, yeah. we can cause, we can cause problems yeah. with yeah. that, you know, and, and really what's important is whether or not you have faith, yeah. you know, in Jesus. Yeah. My, my brother was a missionary for a while in a, in a country that, um, there was uh, some degree of negative perception if you gave your life to the Lord. And, uh, but it was, a uh, the culture of this country, um, was very appeasing. And so actually they were told, um, by the missionaries who lived there long-term, um, to not ask the people they were working with to make a kind of professions of faith because they'll all do it. Okay. You know, they'll, they'll all do it and, but it may not actually mean anything. They yeah. want to please you. They want to, you know, honor, you know, that relationship. And they, they actually said, it's actually better to allow them without asking them to do it. They can read scripture and understand, but to come and begin talking about the relationship they have right. um, with the Lord. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with knowing the time and having a very clear, you know, moment. I think that's awesome. Um, but I think it is, you know, also really valuable to know, yes, I know I've believed yeah. <laughs> and I know I believe now and I know my need. Mm. Um, yeah. We had an alumni and you probably know who he is. I don't want to use his name because of what we're going to talk about with yeah. it, but we had an alumni who was African mm-hmm. and he, he came here, uh, d- uh, did well, went on to Bible college and then eventually seminary and went home. Yeah. And uh, was used in a big way by the Lord in his home country, as well as another country in Africa. Um, He has since gone home to be with the Lord. But while he was in Bible college, the the staff and the faculty were were putting a lot of pressure on him to lead a mission trip back Mm. to his country. Mm. And the reason he was hesitant is because there was a there was a strong sense within the school he was attending of something that's you know, we've called easy believism. Yeah. Yeah. Just say a prayer yeah, and you're saved. And he was very upfront with them. He said, I will lead this, but I do not want anyone to approach people in my country and ask them to just say a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they promised they would not. And they got there <laughs> and they did. Yeah. Because, and it was the same thing you're saying. He explained it to him this way, that, that to do this is you've got to understand my country has multiple faiths that everyone or most people are involved in. Yeah, yeah. And if you come in that country and just tell them, just say a prayer, yeah. then what they'll do is they'll just put Jesus on the same shelf with all the other idols. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that they need to they, they they need to they need to come to Christ, allowing Him to work in their hearts, mm-hmm. and then dealing with Jesus, uh, which I think is uh, very scriptural. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I appreciate you bringing that that up. You know, it, it, I think it's valid for us to talk about, yeah. even within our society and our culture. What yeah. we understand is, is that we don't we don't water this down to the point yeah. that we're not presenting the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember the passage with Jesus tells the rich young ruler, there's one thing. Yeah. You know, and, and he was a, he appears to have been a really neat guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you read that passage, Good. you know, he kept yeah. the law. Yeah. And uh, he, he went away and yeah. Jesus just watched him go away. And it, it, you could tell by the way you read it, it was with a sense of mm-hmm. grieving. Mm-hmm. But uh, but let him go away because he you know he just couldn't come to terms with letting go of that one thing which was keeping him from being with Jesus yeah and that's what was important yeah so thanks for that okay yeah, so no. you were uh, okay so growing up in Estes you uh, you you, um, you were, were going to school in Estes yep. itself and what what was it like growing up there in Colorado how how was your how was your relationship with the Lord and with your family yeah, and your no, friends? That's good. Yeah. We, you know, I think probably very similar to a lot of people, um, grew up involved in church, obviously involved in a Christian community. Um, probably middle school ish. Uh, you know, I've always been a pretty insecure kid. Mm. Um, Worried about what people think about me, hmm. uh, you know, wondering if I have what it takes, wanting to be popular, you know, all that stuff that um, I'm sure nobody else out there deals with. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, yeah, hit 
hit middle school and that, that stuff really started kind of coming, coming out and, you know, jeopardizing or, or kind of going against things that I've believed for a long time in action. And, you know, kind of began that journey of the double life, the here's my life at school or around certain friends. And then here's my life at home or at the, you know, Ravencrest in the Ravencrest community, um, at church. And, uh, and that really was probably, I would say the, um, the, the description of my life from, you know, sixth grade till probably my sophomore, junior year in high school was, um, a really double-minded man and, uh, just a child, really boy. I think I probably thought I was a man, but I was being a boy. (laughs) Mm. Um, and, and slowly even letting some of those, uh, things that were opposed to the Lord and, and in tune with the world, to even seep into our relationships with students at, at Ravencrest and, okay. um, and really was damaging, uh, in, in, you know, in, in significant ways. Um, mm. I would even say eternal ways for some of them, wow. um, which I didn't, you know, see, nor did I really care about. I think when I was in that period, uh, you know, it's wild. My, my parents were you know, fully devoted to the ministry and yet, I was, you know, really working, you know, against them. Mm. Um, and uh, I always think of when it talks about Eli's sons in first Samuel oh, yeah. and, uh, and it, they are called, you know, they were sons of Eli, sons of wickedness, mm. it says. And so the sons of the high priest, but also sons of wickedness. And, and I did feel like in a lot of ways that described me, um, in, you know, in, in that late middle school, early high school period, a son of a director, but a son of wickedness. Mm. Um, and just like Eli's sons leading those who came to the temple, came to the, the, the tabernacle to find sac- to give sacrifices, to worship the Lord and actually being turned away from him. And, uh, and, you know, I'm ashamed to say that was a, that was a part of my, um, impact mm. and on, you know, students and, and, you know, my, my brother and I, older brother, um, yeah, that was, that was something that I think both of us would, would feel very ashamed. And I, I didn't realize it until I realized the, what the Lord can do through a year and through somebody who's given their life to him and, and realized what, you know, in some ways we had taken away, uh, of course, you know, they made people made their own decisions, but um, there were students who I think we were not a positive influence during mm-hmm. their time um, at Ravencrest. And, um, you know, that, I think about that a lot, raising kids in, you know, yeah. this kind of context and the impact that actually even the kids can have on the students mm-hmm. um, as they get closer in age. So, yeah. So you're into high school with this. What what happened to, yeah. to make a change? You know, it was interesting. My, you know, we, we had gotten in some trouble, um, for, uh, for partying, um, and actually having throwing parties with the students. Okay. Um, and it, you know, not to get into all the details, but ultimately my parents were away in Africa, so oh, wow. <laughs> about as far away as they could be. And, uh, and it was one of the really beautiful things about, I guess, life in community because some of the other men of the, the Ravencrest team had to come and confront us. They'd heard mm-hmm. stories, um, heard about things that had happened. And, um, and I think with real love, but also discipline, um, confronted us and we knew, you know, okay, mom and dad are coming home <laughs> and this is not going to be good. And, uh, and, and I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, I, the brunt of the, uh, punishment, um, I probably didn't receive personally. Um, but, and, and I, I don't even know if I would have said like, I, there was this immediate change where I didn't want to do that stuff anymore. Um, all I can say is that I, I believe the Lord began, um, to, to maybe give me a desire for something different. Okay. And my, my desire for some of the um, popularity based on those things began to wane. Like it just, it, 
I, I didn't immediately stop doing the things we were doing before, but I began to be less interested in mm-hmm. those things and began to co- become more interested in youth group and in kind of had some good relationships at yeah. Ravencrest. And, um, and, you know, I think as I moved it from my junior year into my senior year um, of high school, really began to get excited about living more in line with kind of what the Lord called me to. Mm. And um, I'd love to say I made some like great decision to, <laughs> to change or I had this deep conviction in my heart, but it was more, I think that the Lord began to change my heart. Mm. Um, and uh, to the point where I got to the end of high school and, you know, my parents were very clear on not wanting to push us into torchbearers. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, wanted to be an art major. I was accepted at an art school with a scholarship mm. and really excited to go and uh, and do art. And, uh, and decided, you know, I want to, I'd like to go to Bible school. I want to go to a torchbearer school. And, uh, and, you know, I think my parents were excited. My dad was probably excited, but trying to hold down his <laughs> excitement. He didn't want to make it seem like he was manipulating us into doing right. that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, that was kind of the beginning of a pretty big time of transition and change in my life. Okay. Well, um, where did you go? Yes. Yeah, so I went to Cape and Ray in England. Um, which, you know, just felt right. I mean, it was like where my family came from right, the yeah, first sure. school. My brother had actually gone there the year before and, uh, had a great time, um, meaningful time. And, and, you know, it was different. Ravencrest, you know, it was a little smaller. Cape and Ray was large and in the castle and yeah, you know, yeah. all those things. And, and so, yeah, went to Cape and Ray and, uh, and, you know, I kind of had my expectation. I thought I was just going to have the funnest year of my life. Okay. You know, I knew, I knew I was going to be studying the Bible. I was excited for that. Uh, but I looked at my, you know, I heard the stories from my brother and it was all the fun things they did. And, right. um, and, and I had a great year, but it was not, I wouldn't say that was how I describe it was the funnest year of mm. my life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, uh, well t- tell us about the year. Okay. What was it? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, again, I, I got there kind of expecting, I think like a lot of us do, we, we go somewhere else and we think I'm going to leave, going to leave the old Dan behind who I was there. And and I'm going to be a new person. I'm going to be, make all these (laughs) friends and I'm going to be outgoing and I'm going to be, and then it didn't take long to realize I brought myself with me and, uh, insecure Dan, you know, Dan, that was worried about what people thought about me, Dan, that, Mm. uh, felt like I didn't quite you know, add up to the expectations that I had on myself, uh, you know, and, and that's where some of those ministry expectations, um, and impact expectations, I think began to become very real for me. Okay. And it, it, again, it wasn't external. I didn't feel like people were looking at me saying, Oh, you should do so much. It was more, I was looking at myself saying I should do so much and Mm. I should be, um, but I felt like that's, I can't do that. That's not me. And I, I, you know, I think some people take their insecurities and it makes them more boisterous and loud. And, you know, that's their, maybe their defense mechanism. Mine was to kind of shelter and huddle and, Mm -hmm. and kind of, um, be timid. And, um, but I began to make some really good friends at, at Cape and Ray roommates, a number of internationals, uh, and it was a very different environment than I thought. It wasn't okay. all about fun. It was deep conversations and, um, you know, great time. You know, I loved classes, uh, you know, sitting in class and just soaking up so much good um, truth. And uh, I remember actually, you know, a class, it was probably a quarter of the way through the year. Hmm. And, uh, the teacher, you know, I wouldn't say he was the most engaging teacher. In fact, there was a lot of students who really didn't like this teacher. Um, but it was on Christ on, it was like a Christology class. Um, we were kind of studying through, I think it was during the, our study on the temptations in the wilderness. And, um, and just as we were going through that process, it was like, I mean, I've obviously heard about Christ in you, <laughs> that, yeah. that, you know, I mean, my <laughs> yeah. whole life, yeah, I, sure. I think, yeah. you know, I don't remember ever hearing it. It's funny. I've talking to, talked to friends in the past. They're like, when did, of course you knew it your whole life. And I was like, actually, I don't ever remember hearing that. You know, <laughs> I'm sure I did. Uh, but I remember in that class, all of a sudden things started clicking mm. and it wasn't actually about, it wasn't that they clicked when I understood Christ in me. Okay. It was, they clicked when I understood the father and the son. Oh, wow. When I okay. understood God working through the son, when I understood Christ 
being a man and his response in the in the wilderness of man okay. shall not live on bread alone. Hmm. Man shall not. And it was this this his human response. And then we began talking, I think, in class about um, his humanity and. You know those passages that if you're if you've been to torchbearers, you've heard them over and over and over again. Christ saying, "I can do nothing apart from the Father," and you know I do what the Father tells me, and um, and so you know I I think I'd heard Christ in me, I'd heard that so many times, as I think many Christians, if you've read the Bible, you've heard that yeah. over and over again. Yeah, sure. But to practically grasp what that looked like, I needed to see Jesus. Mm. And see him in his humanity, right? And his response as a man, what that looks like to become a man, and and it was like um, brain explosion. I mean, I, I remember just leaving the class, and I my brain was like running at a million miles per hour because I felt like I was like had just uncovered like this treasure that hadn't. I didn't even know is there any bottom to the depth of this, right. and. Uh, um, just, you know, all of a sudden all these passages and, and ideas and I, I went for some long walk and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking and processing and it was just all kind of clicking together um, in my mind. And uh, I, I remember being so excited and trying to write things down and going into you know, Charles Price's office and uh-huh. talking to him. And I'm just, I'm, I'm sure like <laughs> I was probably going like, I need to ask you a question. And I was probably just like chatter, 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 chatter. You know? right. And he kind of just sat there and, you know, smiled and like, yep, that's right. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I would look at, I, I don't remember when the pancake breakfast experience happened, mm-hmm. but I very much remember that point. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that yeah. is, you know, I would say, above anything else in my life, the biggest change and the trajectory at that point, you know, I couldn't describe the difference in trajectory, Mm. um, from that moment of Mm. understanding and it changed how I read the Bible, changed how I looked at my life, changed how, you know, I always tried to, I thought if I'm an insecure person, I need to build up my security. I need to become less insecure. That's how you are used. That's how you become like Cliff Barrows or Major Ian Thomas because they were both pretty boisterous, you know, personalities. And, uh, and I think I realized actually that's not how you are used by the Lord. If he gives you that personality, that's great. But I recognized it's actually owning my insecurity, mm. owning my weakness, and that was the f- that was the most freeing thing. Yeah, <laughs> for an insecure oh, kid uh, to experience. That's yeah. neat. And in it, I really appreciate you know the, the clarity and how you're explaining that. You know, just yeah, I, I think that's that's what really when it comes down to it, so many people have the same mm-hmm. testimony. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I know for myself. I, I grew up, it's kind of similar yeah. to, to you in that growing up in a church that was preaching Christ, was connected with torchbearers, had Major Thomas and Bob Hobson and, and, and different, and, and um, 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 Charles Price as yeah, well. Yeah, in. Yeah. So I, the, I was always hearing this, yeah. but I wasn't hearing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember coming to Bible school even and, and, and same thing. You know, sit in class, and I remember toward the end of the year thinking, this is such good stuff. Yeah. But really, I, I didn't understand it, and I would even think through, why is this so good? Yeah. You know, they're talking about yeah. same God, same Jesus, reading from the yeah. same Bible. Yeah. And it's not until you come to really, like you said, you see Jesus for who he is. Yeah. That you begin to see yourself yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for who you are yeah. and who you're not. Yeah. And it was, I, I think of, uh, I was reading The Same Life of Christ after being a student. Okay. I had read it yeah. while I was here. Yeah. But it was one of those things where, you know, you had to give a book report on it. It uh-huh. was due, it was due this afternoon and I okay. still had three quarters of the book <laughs> yeah. to read. Not even done the report. Right. Yet. <laughs> and so it tells you how well I read the book. Yeah. And so years later, long story why, but I was reading it yeah. and, uh, and, uh, your grandfather quoted from Colossians yeah. two, nine and 10 yeah. for in him. Yeah. All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So in Jesus, you find all of God Yeah, and you think, Oh my goodness. Yeah. And in him, you've been made complete. Yeah. And he's the head of all rule and authority. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, oh my goodness, where have I been? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, <laughs> now I remember adopting a terminology. Oh yeah. I had the, I had the terminology with hand motions down too. Mm-hmm. you know, Christ has to live in you. So I'd, I'd yeah. point down to myself and through you. Yeah. I would even teach, I remember teaching a, a youth Bible study mm-hmm. uh, when we, I was going to college in Canada, Yeah. Uh, down in the basement, going through Daniel. 
telling yeah. students that Christ has to live in you and through you. Have yeah. absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. Think I did. <laughs> thought I did. But uh, mm. it, but the Lord had to to show me, had to bring me to the end of myself so I could see Jesus yeah. for who he is. Yeah. And and life's never been the same. Yeah, that's right. But that's that's that's, that's really neat. I really appreciate the way you said yeah. that though. Yeah, I wonder about, you know, I think of Paul, Saul, when he mm-hmm. has that, you know, experience of seeing the Lord falling off, you know, his horse or his donkey, whatever, right. and, and, you know, seeing, understanding mm. maybe Christ for the first time who wow. he'd been persecuting. And and I think of those three days or, or yeah. whatever it was in fasting and praying, you know, until Ananias comes. And y- you just wonder what was going on in his yeah, mind. Because really? the depth of knowledge of the word was yeah, there. Yeah, it was. But the pieces yeah. I'm sure were beginning to just kind of fall into place mm. uh in such a great way it would have been fun to yeah. watch that. And, happen. and like you said <laughs> and, it, and it took it took him see to till he could see Jesus. Yeah, yeah I, I, that was made me think about it when you well, said that you actually see him. That that'll yeah. that'll preach. That'll uh, preach. <laughs> it does. That's yeah. neat. Um yeah. okay, so now you finished Bible school. Yeah. And you went to Bible college. Yeah, so I you know, I was going to go to art school, yep. super excited about that. And, and, you know, I, and I saw the ways I could use art illustration, you know, for the kingdom. And, and that was sweet. Um, but while I was at Cape and Ray and in Bible school, I had some, um, opportunities to teach and had some people after teaching saying, wow, you did really good at that. Mm. You know, you did a good job. And, uh, you know, I was embarrassed that somebody would say that to me and, and have you ever thought about, you know, being a Bible teacher or going into, okay. and in my, in my internally, my answer was no, I would never do that because that's what my family did. Right. And not that I was opposed to it, but I'm not as good as my family. I'm not like them. I, I, I'm not them. Yeah. And, and if I did track, go the track of Bible teaching, then everybody would assume that I'm just doing that because that's what I'm just following in my parents' footsteps. Right. And for some reason, that was really embarrassing to me that I might follow in my parents' parents' okay. footsteps, um, as if I could, you know, they thought, oh, you're trying to be like your grandpa. You're trying to be like, <laughs> and you know, and so again, that was the, in, the those voices of insecurity, um, kind of attacking me, and uh, and had a few more opportunities to teach. And um, I remember one time, it was, you know, doing a youth group deal, and it was probably the first time where I'm sharing my testimony. I'd worked on it, I'd prepared it, I'm sharing it, and where the teaching, I don't know how to describe it other than it kind of takes over. And um, yeah, I, I just felt like I, yeah. I I didn't even have to think about what I was going to say. It was just, I was just saying what was in my heart and it yeah. was exciting. And I could see, you know, the eyes of the kids, like, you know, tracking with me. And, um, you know, I've always loved art. I mean, I, I love art. I love beauty. I love, you know, and, and so I kind of began to see like, wow, this is beautiful. Like, mm. Even teaching, and, and I think, you know, really, then, and then I was at Tarnhoff for my second semester, and um, we had a, um, someone had come and, or, and taught on the gifts of the Spirit, and one of the lecturers talked about the gift of teaching, and this guy I didn't even know came up to me and said, hey, I couldn't stop thinking of your name when you was talking really? about the gifts of the Spirit, about teaching, and I yeah. thought, I don't even know you, it was a guy from Africa, huh. and uh and I, that, that kind of led to, to make a long story short, realizing, okay, I, I, I think the Lord is calling me to teach. I don't know what that, I don't know what that means, mm-hmm. but I think I need to at least look to see, you know, if there's some other place I can go. I, ch- I checked the school that I was going to do the, the art program in. It was a Christian school. They didn't have a teaching program, oh, Bible okay. teaching. Huh. And so, you know, the only place I knew other than that was Columbia International University, right, yeah. CIU, which a lot of torchbearers go yeah. to. And the standard, um, the standard, they accepted <laughs> me and, uh, and, you know, was really privileged to be able to go there and, mm. uh, and, you know, get a lot of, of teaching experience, uh, in the Bible teaching program. And, okay. um, yeah, uh, you really did. Sweet. How much time do we have? I'm, I'm just talking away. No, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. No, we're, we're good. Um, okay. I mean, if we have to, we'll, we'll, we'll turn it in, turn it into two episodes. Oh man, so. that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> you don't worry about it. Uh, okay. CIU, uh, teaching major. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And uh, you you stayed and did seminary too, didn't you? No, I I so I was there. I did some studying in Israel. Did oh, okay. Some grad work okay. in Israel. So that's what I'm thinking. Um, of. Yeah. And then uh, and then you know really soon after um, CIU and 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 you know great experience there. I think the Lord at at Cape and Ray and at Torchbearers, the Lord gave me an understanding mm-hmm. of the truth of His life in me and what that means. 
I believe at CIU through really a lot of my just personal journey, I learned what does that actually look like to live that out? Okay. Like what does it look like practically? Yeah. Um, and then I, with my student teaching degree, I was student teaching at a, a Christian school up in Greenville, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ended up, I got married right after um, finishing CIU and they hired my wife and I both to teach there. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. So went that. and taught uh, at a Christian school for two years. Uh, really fun. Middle schoolers. And I'm convinced if you can teach middle schoolers, you can teach anybody. <laughs> That's where you, we should all start. Um and, uh, but I'd prepare for hours and hours and yeah. share, you know, like 2%, well, yeah. of, which is, I realize is kind of normal anyway, yeah. <laughs> teaching yeah. anybody. Yeah. I think somebody worked it out uh, and has explained it. And I agree with it. it takes about seven hours of preparation for one hour yeah, of teaching. That would make sense. Yeah. 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 Maybe even more sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so we realized that wasn't going to be a long-term fit, ended up, uh, pastoring at a church in Green Bay, Wisconsin, okay. and uh, for about four years, and that was a great experience. Uh, the The Green Bay Community Church, the pastor yeah. at the time, um, uh, Joe Erkovich, was incredibly open with the pulpit to me. And really, so I got wow. to teach. You know, it was a larger church. Yeah. You know, two thousand or so, one to two thousand people, and I was teaching. You know, two out of every five messages, um, which was just a huge experience for me. And it was a different context than middle school, um, you know, kids and, uh, but really fun, a lot of growth and, and I think became more and more clear the, 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 that the Lord was calling me to teach. Mm. And, um, so my role at at the church was a mix. I, I was teaching on the weekends, but really my primary role was to run a young adults program, um, college, high school, marrieds. And then they made some shifts and I was in charge of all the, um, kind of social groups. So dance class, baseball (laughs) team or softball, you know, team, the, you know, young adults, the marrieds. So all these, it was a lot, it was a very administrative job and I'm about as, unadministrative as you can get. I'm super unorganized (laughs) and, you know, it's like my art brain, you know, thinking. And so it became clear, like, you know, we'll try this, but if it's not going to work, I really need to invest into, I think what the Lord's called me to, which is teaching and had actually a really neat chance to go to Ravencrest with Joe, the the lead pastor of the church in Green Bay. And we, we team taught one week. Really? And so that was like my first time teaching back in a torchbearers context, which was super intimidating where I grew up. And so there was, you know, some of these Wayne Weissman and, you know, other guys in the back, you know, and it's like, Oh man, and this is, you know, and loved it. It was, it was so much fun. And I, it was invigorating and exciting and talking to the students afterwards. And, and we got back and, and the lead pastor, Joe, you know, and we'd been talking about potentially what my role would be long-term at the church. And, um, and he said, Dan, I, I think you need to, I think you need to branch out. And, mm. you know, I think you're spinning your wheels here in a role that's not primarily focusing on your gifts. And, mm. and he said, I think you actually should try out torchbearers because you have such a history with torchbearers that unless you've gone and been involved in torchbearers and kind of figured out what is it as an adult, you know, I had kind of rose colored glasses as a kid. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, I think you're going to have a hard time being in any ministry role until you first worked within torchbearers. And we, I was pretty adamant on not doing torchbearers right out of college. My, okay. my dad and some others said, Hey, get involved in a church. Torchbearers is parachurch. It's good to know church life. And, and that was a huge I yeah. think, soup, a lot of wisdom. That, in that. I was going to say that's wise um, advice. Yeah. But it, it did. It seemed right to say, okay, well, let's, let's see. Maybe, mm. maybe, maybe I'll realize, yeah, it was as a kid, Torchbearers is great as a staff member. It's horrible. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so we looked around where there was an opportunity and Timberline out in Colorado had the need for a Dean of students. And so yep. that's when, that's why we ended up over there. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. You kind of brush past this, but I think people would be interested in hearing this. You mentioned meeting your wife and, and you know, you got married and both were hired by the same school, but tell us a little bit about this uh, because, and and, and let's talk a little bit about, you know, what the Lord's done in your heart, you know, at, you know, as, uh, as a husband and a a father. Yeah. Yeah. So how'd, how'd you meet your wife? Yeah. So she, she had been at CIU before I was there. And then, and then she actually did, she was an intercultural studies missions kind of major, did a program in Indonesia. So when I arrived um, after Cape and Ray, she was not there, Uh, but I had actually met a bunch of her friends. In fact, my group of friends were kind of her group of friends, Mm. but she wasn't there. And I remember second semester, uh, 
out on the soccer field and seeing this really pretty girl mm. who's really good at soccer and thinking, mm. wow, she's pretty good. Nice at combination. And pretty good looking. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, uh, and I find out her name's Sarah and, and we ended up spending a lot of time together. And, um, you know, again, for an insecure, uh, guy who grew up with all brothers, you know, no clue how to pursue a girl. And <laughs> I was interested in her for a couple of years. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. And we were just good friends. Okay. And, um, but, uh, yeah, now, does she I, know that you were, you know, I, I think she could tell at times, um, she actually has in her, in her journal, there's a, there's a statement that says I'm, I'm 99% sure I'll never date Dan Thomas. And so I'm like, okay, well she's at least thinking about it. You know? <laughs> it's like, the, so you're saying there's a chance, you there. know, but she was thinking about it. Be positive. Uh-huh, be positive. Yeah. And, and she was like, yeah, we could never, it could never work. You know, I was, you know, I, dirty and just I didn't care about the things she cared about you know uh-huh. wearing the same clothes over and over again and um and anyway and so yeah we actually so that was I was interested in her and we we took a trip with a bunch of friends out to Colorado and um the Lord I think had to do a like for me it was like I knew this is the kind of woman I should be looking for. Mm-hmm. She fit, you know, Proverbs 31. She, you, yeah. you know, it's like, I didn't need some sign from the Lord to know like this is, this would, she would make a great wife mm. and uh, a great, you know, partner for me in life. Uh, and, but I think for her, you know, naturally, because I was, you know, definitely she's out of my range. Uh, the Lord needed to do a work in her heart. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so he made it really clear to her actually in a really personal, spiritual, I think way that, uh, that, it was some, I was somebody that she should pursue and it kind of was like an overnight change, which was really exciting for me. And, um, kind of, yeah, that was the beginning. So we got married soon after I graduated. She graduated a year year earlier. Mm -hmm. I graduated. We got married soon after. Where is she from? She's from, uh, Chicago area. Yeah. So did she go home during that year? Nope. She, she worked at CIU, um, Mm -hmm. and then went to, did some grad work. Um, okay. there and which was kind of fun. She took some classes that she actually needed. Uh, she didn't, we didn't know we were going to go and work at this Christian school, but they're yeah. actually the perfect classes to, to teach at the Christian school. And, okay. and so we taught the students came from Mr. Thomas's class to Mrs. Thomas's class. Okay. And, um, it was really, what fun. year did you get married? Uh, 2001, I should know that 2000, <laughs> 2002, cause it's our 20th, 20th anniversary okay. this year. So Good. 2002. Good. Yeah. All right, good. So uh, you guys got married, and uh, I think it's interesting that you know th- that it wasn't like a, a right away natural click. Yeah, because you guys really do complement each oh, other. Oh man, yeah. yeah, it's you know it, it's really it, I I enjoy watching you as a couple yeah. and how you connect with other people and and how you do work as a team. Yeah, we and, had to learn that. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. you know that's that's good to hear. Yeah, because you know I think so many people when they yeah. do look at couples and go, oh, "I want that," yeah, uh, just assume that that's just that's just how it happens, yeah. how it works. Yeah, but there there is that you know I tell people we've had students come up to us very young because Arlene and I got engaged very young and okay. we got married at nineteen and twenty oh, years wow. of age. Yeah. And sometimes I've become a little hesitant to tell people that because we've had students come up to us and say, Hey, yeah. we're going to get married. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and then actually say, well, you guys did. And yeah. then we tell them, like, okay. Uh, but <laughs> and, and that's what the Lord had. Yeah. But you've got to understand something. You know, we were very young. Yeah. We got married and then we had to raise each other. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of things we hadn't worked out yet, yeah. you know, individually, let alone together. Yeah. And, it, but it's been uh, we'll be 36 years this summer and that, you know, it's been a wonderful marriage. Yeah. She is an incredible woman and I am very blessed. Yeah. But I think what you're saying, and I agree with is that people need to understand that there are conscious decisions that oh, have yeah. to be made and yeah. there's, there's sacrifice that has to be made on both, both parts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you, you saying that. So, uh, so you, yeah, you had to you had to go yeah. through that as well. Oh, absolutely, and and in so many levels, you know. I mean, I'm very different. She's, you know, incredible work ethic. She can just get things done, and she's organized. She's, you know, I'm chaos. You know, <laughs> I'm like, 
<laughs> procrastinator, uh-huh. you know, just, you know, give me something fun to do and I'll do it any moment. Give me people to talk to, hang out with, and, and I'll do that and right. push off my responsibility yep. as long as I can, you know, and I needed to work on that, which is, you know, it's, it's hard because the things you know are, you're actually weak at and need to grow in often your spouse is right. those things. And, and that becomes challenging because the danger is your relationship can become like this kind of teaching type mm-hmm. thing. And, and it can create, you know, a lot of friction. Right. And, uh, you know, it is, you know, so much of our walk with each other it has, has had to circle around our walk with the Lord, I think mm. for to even survive mm. and, and c- grasping the reality of, you know, what I learned at Cape and Ray that I, I need to learn to boast in my weaknesses. Mm. I, I can't try to be something I'm not, and I need to be humble and I need to recognize that I, I, I can't do this. Mm. And, um, you know, Sarah grew up in a, in a very different family than I did, uh, you know, not a long Christian history, uh, her understanding personally of the indwelling life and, and kind of the freedom in Christ, uh, was not there. And okay. she was kind of driven like mission field focused and, okay. uh, just felt like, well, of course, what else would you do with, with your life? What else do you do when God paid so much? This is what I have to do right. in response to not to pay him back. I don't think she would have said that, but, um, and so the, I think especially our early years, a lot of our friction was around some of that. Okay. How okay. She felt like when I had fallen into some sort of sin and, and yes, you do fall into sin, even when you're married, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like all that's done when you're, yeah. and I'd, I'd, I'd sin in some area and we'd have, you know, time to talk and confess it to each other. And, um, and then, you know, she would feel like, you know, I, then I would be, okay, good. We've confessed to each other. I've confessed to the Lord. We've worked through this. Let's go do something. Let's go watch a movie. Let's go play soccer, you know? And she's like, what are you talking about? Right. Like you, you can't just have, you know, offended me in this way or whatever. And then feel like you can up and act like it never happened. Mm. And, and so I think we both had to grow in that and for her to understand and live in the reality of the forgiveness of the Lord and the grace of the Lord and, um, that he's not surprised at our sin. He grieves him. Um, and for me to grow in the reality that my sin does affect my brother, sister in Christ and my wife. And, um, and that there's, there's a need for growth in, in reconnecting in unity between us, mm. but it all starts obviously and has to be founded on, um, you know, leaning on the Lord. Right. And, uh, um, I think people talk about like the idea of like books, if you have books leaning against each other, you know, you take one down, the other ones fall. And, but if the books are leaning against like a book rest in the middle, mm-hmm. um, then even if one falls, the, the other one's still standing. Cause it's not, they're not leaning on each other. Okay. And I think that's what we've had to learn. You yeah. Know, it's kind of a common like illustration, but that if we're not leaning on the Lord, we, we both fall. Then and all you have is each other. And all we have each other. We, yeah. We're going to both fall yeah. and we will fall. We will, right. we do struggle. And, right. um, and so that's been, that's been, yeah, huge journey. You know, if I think for her, um, for me, the hard, the hardest initial thing was getting married. I felt like I used to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Right. And I had to deal with like, Oh wait, she doesn't want to do that. What do I do? What do I do? You know, I yeah. felt like I was losing my identity. Um, and for her, it was when we had kids, um, that when, when we had kids, she felt like she lost a lot of her identity. Mm. Um, and, and that really lasted for quite a while. Sure. I think really wrestling with, um, raising young kids. She had gone to ministry school to be right. involved in yeah. you know ministry as a thinking she was going to go to the mission field or do something professionally. And here I am working at a church, hanging out with people, going to coffee with young adults, you know, preaching. Mm. And she's taking care of, you know, changing diapers wow. and dealing with crying and, and all that stuff. And, and it was challenging. It's been challenging, but, uh, you know, people told us, Hey, this time we'll come to an end. You'll have new chapters. And that's true. They and always need to, uh, and I'm finding to always needing to encourage each other to Christ. Yeah. That's with, right. with the next chapter, you know, it, yeah. I think for some reason it's easy for us to, when we think about, you know, us in our roles, we think of ministry, but but if we're not careful, we can forget that our wives and our family is a ministry. Yeah, that's right. And it's it's no different in that we and they 
need to encourage, we need to be encouraging each yeah. other to Christ. It's yeah. no different, you know, not to, not to put pressure on each other to be what we never could be. Yeah. But, but to encourage that we, we do function as the husband, as the wife yeah. with dependence upon Christ. Yeah. And, uh, and that's really, there's a, there's a, a, there's a Christian counselor in Bernie, Texas. Yeah. Uh, that I haven't heard any. I haven't heard this before from from counseling. Okay. But even on his his uh, uh his uh, homepage with his website, he uh and what he does with his counseling is he encourages those forgetting what lies behind. Hmm. I press on. Mm-hmm. How often do you hear that in counseling? Hmm. To forget what lies behind. Yeah. Instead of go dig up what lies behind. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, forget, but, but pressing on, yeah. you know, but, but pre- what does that mean to press on, Yeah, you know, toward, toward Christ? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so that's, I, I think that's important for us to remember as yeah. husbands and, and as wives. Yeah. And the last uh, couple of minutes here, um, and I, uh, your children, you know, yeah. uh, we, we've talked about them earlier and they're really neat kids. Every one of them. Uh, we love them. Uh, <laughs> what are some things the, the Lord, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are some things the Lord's worked in, in your heart in, in being a dad? Yeah. You know, I, th- I think, I mean, I guess the, the simple answer, and I, I remember, you know, people would ask when I, we were, I was getting married, you know, are you ready to get married? Are you ready for all the change in your life? And, you know, we're going to have kids. Are you ready for kids? You're ready for all the change in your life? You know, now we're getting ready to have our first one sent. Are you ready to be empty nesters? Are you ready to move into that period? And, you know, I felt like when, when I was getting married and everybody said, are you ready for such a big change in your life? I think at a heart level, I felt like, what changes? Right. Nothing changes. There's one, th- my life is to say, God, what do you want to do? And I don't always live that way, but that's what I'm longing for is it's the simplicity of saying I'm available and I'll trust you in the midst of the chaos. And, mm. and so I, I think for marriage, that was a really, I, I felt very clearly about that strongly. Like Sure, I know marriage is going to change things. I know it's going to be harder, but life is hard. Like there's a lot of hard things in life, and right. um, and I will keep doing the same thing that I've been learning to do: to rely on the Lord, to live, you know, to to ask Him and and trust that He's living His life, you know, through me. And and then same, you know, starting with torchbearers. Oh, that's going to be such a big change. And I was like, what What's the change? <laughs> nothing mm. changes. Mm. Having kids, nothing changes. Mm. Um, but I, you know. As they grow older, it's really easy to get sucked into, I think, the ideas of living and doing, not based on what Christ wants to do and trusting and resting in him, but I need to do and I need to make sure and I need to, and you know, and those things. And so, you know, I think it's been sweet, um, obviously super challenging, you know, trying to figure out in a community, how do you raise kids? Do you let them date? Do you let them date non-believers? How, you know, mm-hmm. what do you do when they're, you know, teenagers and want to do something that you don't agree with yeah. and, and yet you want them to learn. And, um, and I think that's been, you know, such a sweet refining process for, for both Sarah and I is, is like trying to just come back to that basic truth that's been true, you know, since Christ came and that it's his life and we have to rest in that. And whatever we do, whether we feel like we need to step up and, and, you know, encourage or discipline, it needs to be in trust and in faith or whether it's to step back and allow them to blunder. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and I think with, as with probably any, um, family, we have, Sarah and I both look at our kids differently. We love them as deeply, but how we feel like we should do different parts of raising the kids are not always the same. Okay. And, uh, and, and so, you know, that gives another place for us to have to have grace with each other, mm-hmm. to forgive each other, mm-hmm. to when do I speak out? When do I hold back? Um, and so, you know, how does it work with our kids? How does that, you know, ask me in 10 years. Right. We'll see, you know, but I think, um, you know, one, Wayne Weissman was mm-hmm. over, he's one of the teachers that comes to, to, to his hill, yeah. to yeah. Um, Timberline. He, I grew up, he grew up as kind of a father figure when my okay. dad wasn't around sure. at, at Ravencrest. 
And he was teaching at Timberline one time and a bunch of the guys could write questions down and he kind of put them in a bucket. And so one of the guys asked the question because they'd seen his son, his son Joseph works on staff with me. Mm -hmm. And they asked Wayne, how do you raise a godly man? Like, how do you raise godly boys? Because they felt like Joseph is a godly man, and and here's there's dad. What else should I ask? How do you raise a godly man? And I love Wayne's response: is the only way to raise a godly boy is to be a godly man. Wow. <laughs> and and of course it takes the Lord, but I, as far as our responsibility, and and so I think Sarah and I, that's been kind of had to be reiterated. Like we can't make our kids mm. turn out the way we want them to. Right. <laughs> All we can do is try to be the the, the Dan and the Sarah that right. the Lord's called us to be. Right. And uh, and to keep fighting back to that, you know, right. and, um, confessing when there's... You and know, you're not saying that there's a there's a passivity. There's a, no. There's very much activity yeah. in it, but it's with complete dependence. That's right. Upon the Lord, like right. anything else in life. And, yeah. and what an incredible blessing that would be to children yeah. to have parents who, who are completely reliant on Christ yeah. Yeah. and being engaged with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dan, I I really appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I've enjoyed it. And we need to do it again. Yeah, you know, we should in the future. You know, <laughs> maybe we could sit down and just talk about Timberline and yeah. what the Lord's doing there. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that would be neat to do and, and just hear of you know how because there's been some big things the Lord's oh, done there. It's that, been you know, exciting. Yeah. yeah. So I would really like to do that. But anyway, uh, Dan, for for you listeners, Dan will be leading a devotion and we'll post that later. Uh, but uh, Dan, thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate thanks, spending Kelly. the time with you. Yeah, appreciate it. Our spring newsletter is out and ready to read on our website. If you would like some updates on what's been happening this school year around the hilltop, please go to hishill.org and click on the About tab to find the newest edition of the His Hill newsletter. If you are on our mailing list, the hard copy of the newsletter should be making its way to you via snail mail real soon. If you wish to subscribe to our newsletter, you can do so on our website at hishill.org. You've been listening to the His Hill podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty and Dan Thomas, the director at Timberline Lodge in Fraser, Colorado. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. We serve a beautiful God and he is worthy of our trust. I'm Lizzie. See you next week.